But uh, I think that any way we can get the gospel out, this is what we need to do. So I encourage you, even if you're sitting in this today and you've heard the sermon, share it, tag friends with this sermon or any of our sermons. Tag people, share it, go to the page, whether however way you listen to it, whether it's through Google Podcasts or the the uh, anchor that we're actually recording it through or uh, the Apple product, whatever it is. Go like it, share it, leave, uh, um, rate it. That gets it out there. That makes them push it. The The venue that it's under makes them push it. So somebody says, why are you doing that? Because we want to push the gospel. We want to share the gospel with everybody we can, okay? That's the whole purpose and go. These are familiar scriptures. Uh, no doubt you have heard me preach or talk from them but let me read this this morning and uh, share my burden the Lord has put on me for the last week or so the former treaties have I made O Theopolis of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God my subject for this Sunday school lesson today is just simply after his passion Lord we love you we thank you God bless today God in your precious name open our hearts our ears let us receive what you have for us today Lord in Jesus name in Jesus name somebody say after his passion I come today I'm going to try to do some preaching but it's probably going to come out a lot like some uh, teaching but it'll probably come out a lot like preaching today but I come today with a burden in my spirit to share my heart and what I want to be my passion more than anything else in this world with this congregation. What does it mean to really love? Love is probably arguably one of the most powerful emotions that is out there. Um, I talked about love last week, but I made mentions. Bethany has been sitting out of Sunday school while she's got Corbin, and I look at that boy, and she's holding, and I remember them being that size and I think my goodness there's such a love for that little child and I look at my wife I look at my children I look at you guys and and it can bring emotions up inside of us because love is probably arguably one of the most powerful emotions that we deal with in our lives brother Eddie said remember I may be able to go actually in and, and, and get to see Rhonda today and it's been a year since he's actually been able to to touch her and embrace her you know because that love is is powerful it is a very very powerful emotion and the sister Cheryl was looking at them pictures last night on that Instagram feed of Jenkins and and we're seeing pictures of different ones that that was up here praying and uh uh, he shared the video of maybe you seen a Bobby. It was just a little bitty clip of him singing uh, something about I got a praise. And he and 
we've seen a video where they had been singing and just so many things like that. Love is a powerful, powerful emotion. In a blog that I was kind of doing some research about what I was going to talk about today, I, a blog that is named the Anatomy of Love, the writer said that love will drive a mother to superhuman feats of strength just to save her own children. I'm telling you right now, don't you get in the way of a mother or even a father that is trying to protect their kids. You can and will get hurt because love is that kind of power. Love will cause, or what they think is love, will cause teenagers to defy all logic and reason just to try to be together. You can have some kids that thinks they're in love, that emotion that they're dealing with, and you can tell them no, and you might as well just give them license unless you uh, tie them up and lock them into their bedroom. They're, they're going to try their best to get out of there and get back with that person, right? Because love, it is, one, it is one of the most difficult emotions to explain. What it means to love someone, it's, it's, been, it's been debated by, by uh, philosophers. It's been debated by poets poets and uh, scientists throughout the ages and trying to figure out what love is really all about but according to this blog uh, that I was telling you about um, the anatomy of love it it said this it said that uh, uh, it love in its essence can be broken down into three main components the first one they said love is a feeling You've heard me say enough that love is not really a feeling. Uh, love is associated with feelings, but it's not necessarily a feeling. But love does bring forth a feeling. But this blog said love is a feeling. Romantic love begins with attraction. That's an indescribable feeling in the pit of your stomach that makes you want to be with somebody. You look at them and you're just attracted to them. In true love, it says you generally enjoy the other person's company. If you don't like to be around somebody, it's not really easy to love them, right? That's why people end up getting divorced. That's why uh, boys and girls break up, as they call it, you know. Because that feeling's not there anymore. It goes on to say that love is an action. No matter how compatible a person they may be, you and the one that you love, there's times that we go through strife in life. And... If there's no action in there, then that, that means there's not really a love involved in that situation. And loving someone means making the tough choices to act in a loving manner, even when you're tired, you're overwhelmed. And, and I'm just reading briefly through some of this stuff that is saying that love is. And it, it says that love is made up of a constant stream of choices and actions. I do agree with that because love is a choice. And finally, it says that love is an attachment. This blog goes on to say that um, attachment develops over time. Any new relationship is a strong mix of attraction, excitement, about new possibilities, and blended with um, fear inside of it. And as we navigate going through this stuff, there's things that, that attracts you to that other person that causes you to, uh, to love each other. This, again, this is according to this blog, blog that I've, 
I copied some of this, not reading it all for you today because I don't think all of it is exactly relevant to where I'm going. But just to let you know, that this, this is the ideal of what love, uh, of what the world thinks love is all about. Now, I did not come here today to give you a course on love one-on-one. I, I didn't do that. But as much of what I just read is very true, it, some of it is not necessarily true. But when it's based on human nature, yes, it is true. Our human nature bases love on feelings. It does uh, base it on attraction and, and bases it on being attached to things in our life. But today I'm, I'm not coming to talk about necessarily that love. I'm, I'm, I come to talk about something that's bigger than that because that's a human nature love. It's a connection. As Bethany, I think, made this statement the other day, said after having her own child and holding him in her arms, she said, I cannot even imagine how somebody would just have a child and throw it away. I can't imagine that in my mind either. But the reason that somebody can do that is because love to them is just based on a human nature and not based on what love is really all about. Knowing that that is my responsibility. I brought that child into this world. And I've, I've got to choose to love it even when it's crying. Even when it's uh, uh, making a mess. And even when it's using three diapers in seven minutes. As she said, five, five diapers in seven minutes. And every time it's a poopy one and you've got to clean it up. And sometimes even in the midst of changing it, it decides to uh, 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 fountain you with its body uh, uh, liquids from him you know and, and you got to choose to love even when it gets older and that child decides you know what I hate you and I don't love you there's the human nature says okay just leave them alone but there's a something that goes beyond that today it's beyond that nature it, it's a love that we need that's beyond our human nature that says you know what no matter what you do or what you say I choose to love you anyway and that is the love that we need to fill empty seats in this place today. That is the love that we need that will get, uh, uh, praise the Lord, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but let me give you my, uh, my, a little bit of my passion that, that I want as you're going out of Mary. And as soon as you go out with it, made the new bypass right there immediately to the, to the left is a place I've claimed for many years. It's 17 acres. And that's where Harvest House needs to have its church setting right there. And the only way we're going to get there is, hallelujah, is going beyond that human nature love and brother Eddie having a love inside of us that's after his passion after the love that Jesus has praise God for humanity the love that will multiply us this year that will multiply us every year. The love that will uh, uh, multiply, praise the Lord, our lives and multiply our church and multiply the gospel in the city is the kind of love that is after His, Jesus, this is passion. After His passion. Somebody say it with me today. After His passion. The word passion is used only this one time in the entire Bible. This one time. This one place right here. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. It's the only place that we find that word passion in the King James Version of the Bible. It sums up 
Jesus is summed up in the fact of what Jesus came to this earth to do. And Jesus being despised and rejected by his own people. The ones he had come to save from their sins. What sins? The sins that we all still deal with in our lives. Our iniquities, our transgressions, our wickedness. Every evil thought, every evil imagination, every wrongdoing, every, every, uh, every theft, every murder, every adulterous act, every adulterous thought, every fornication, every lying uh, act that we do, every covetousness, hatred, jealousy, deceitfulness, and drunkenness. All, through all these and many other things that, that uh, the Bible considers sin, which is transgression against the, uh, the law of God. Every, every, every sin that's been committed ever since the time of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Uh, man had spent the last 4,000 years in sin. But now in the text we find that the passion of Christ has intervened with that sin. The passion. The passion. What, what is it all about? Jesus' passion. It, it involves Gethsemane. The place of the cross. Uh, the place where uh, the, the crucifixion first started. Gethsemane. When he was in that garden and he was praying. And those tears was dropping out of his eyes. Thinking about the place of the cross. While that's why he was crying. He was thinking about what that human flesh had to go through it's the place where Jesus made that decision that I'm going to drink the bitter cup of the wrath of God for the mankind that, that, that I love so dearly that, that, that cup that wrath of God had filled up all the way up to the brim the passion it, it means that Jesus poured out his soul in prayer in that garden of Gethsemane that with this sweat and, and as drops the Bible says of great drops of blood sister Linda hit the ground Jesus's passion speaks of being bitterly betrayed by one of his closest friends one of his chosen apostles sister uh, uh, sister Michelle one that he chose that followed with him for three and a half years but one of his closest one of his inner circle of uh, being straight that sold him out this is his passion this this is what he went through being sold for a measly 30 pieces of silver it's just the price of a slave. That's all it was, Brother Eddie. His passion involves all the afflictions, all the suffering, as well as all the evil that he experienced at the hands of his own people who turned wicked on him, who turned deceitful on him, who turned against him such that was them false accusers that at, at his trial that, that lied on him and, and, and twisted uh, the truth of those that 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 bloodthirsty mob that that who who loudly demanded, I don't want Barabbas, but give me, uh, give us Jesus, let us crucify him. This is his passion. After those who who stripped off his garment, leaving him not like you would see him on on the Passion movie. Or I know we're coming up on Easter, and somebody says, "Why don't you go ahead and wait till Easter to preach that?" Because we don't have time to wait to preach this to Easter. We need to talk about it now. We need to realize, Hallelujah! There needs to be people besides us who call this church, praise God, to be their church. We need that passion to get on the inside of us, Hallelujah! Reached to get somebody in this house 
But there Jesus stood and, and with the people who stripped him of his garment, not like we see him on the movie and the pictures. He stood there naked before everybody to see him and they tied him to a post and then they flogged him with a cat of nine tails and they whipped him and they beat him and his passion caused him to endear the men who blindfolded him and, and jerked his facial hair out and they spit on him and they mocked him and let's go ahead and prophesy who hit me now and they and they uh, 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 just repeatedly hit him over and over and they, they took that crown of thorns that they had uh, uh, planted and just shoved it down on his head on his brow that is the passion that I'm talking about today Amen. that's the kind of love that I'm talking about today the passion of Christ that speaks of his painful and climb the agony that he went through as he climbed to the top of Golgotha Hill carrying his heavy cross on his beaten and his battered body after being beaten till he could hardly move Sister Janet then they put that old cross on his back and told him to pack his own cross stumbling and falling as he goes with literally the insides of his body nearly hanging out, his face beaten. His passion tells us about how he was nailed to the cross, not with a little 10 or 12 penny nails like we would put two befores up inside of this building, but with stakes, orange spikes driven through his hands and driven through his feet, not through the palm of his hand or through some fleshy area but through his wrist they strategically placed him exactly where it would hit the nerve to where if he pulled one way it would shoot pain through his body from here he pulled the other way it would shoot pain through his body the other way hallelujah and to the place that and he hung on that cross and he thirsted and they would run and try to give him vinegar to try to ease the pain vinegar and a mixture of vinegar to try to ease the pain and he, re he refused that because he wanted to have that pain anyway uh, to be able to suffer that he could feel what we're going through his passion caused himself it caused uh, uh, him his ears to be opened up to hear the taunts and the scoffs uh, uh, ringing in his ear of the people saying oh come down from that cross and save us now people mocking him and making fun of him his passion that I'm talking about today his passion uh, let's just see him uh, looking down had his mother looking at him hanging on that cross naked hallelujah naked in the shame and the and the horror of the darkness that began to, to come over that city for three hours at midday of him hanging on that cross no doubt maybe with the vul the vultures beginning to uh, surround him and maybe maybe even dogs that followed that blood trail to that old rugged cross knowing that they've been able to go there and have a have a meal from some human flesh before the dogs maybe uh, at the at the bottom of that uh, foot uh, bottom of that uh, uh, cross uh, and, and there also at the feet were the soldiers they was they was casting lots for that blood-stained garment that laid there but his passion caused a fervent prayer as he hung on that cross saying father forgive them for they don't know what they even do his passion caused him to say those three words it is finished into 
your hands. I commend my spirit. Right before he hung his head, his passion caused him to die on that cross. Talking about after his passion today. His passion means even after he was dead, a sword being pierced, ripping through his side, opening up a wound to which blood and water would gush out of him. Then his passion caused that mutilated body, his body that was torn, his, his face that was marred beyond recognition. His mother would not have been known that was her son hanging on that cross if she had not followed him from the time he was beaten to that cross knowing that that was her son but that that mutilated body being taken down uh, uh, taken down from that cross and I could just see them just gently and tenderly letting him down off that cross and then wrapping him wrapping uh, him in some grave clothes and they placed him in a borrowed tomb and they sealed it uh, a huge stone with, with wax and melted wax around that stone to make sure that it was sealed and then his passion caused uh, they seen that they seen his love and his passion while he was on this earth and they caused him uh, in his burial place it was it was guarded round the clock 24-7 by 16 armed men who remained on duty four men at a time they would stay up four hours at a time 16 men that stay up four hours at a time to make sure that nobody came and got his body down that story that is the story of his passion that is what he meant in these scriptures when he said after his passion after what his passion his passion was to come to this earth and to die it is the ultimate it is the climax point of the one uh, crucial feature of his whole entire life it is a thing to which everything else led up to his passion it is it is that for which everything else was prepared for as he was on this earth compared with everything else that he done on this earth it was unimportant because if he'd never uh, if he had never raised Lazarus from the grave if he never raised the son of Nain from the grave if he had never fed the, uh, the people with the loaves and the fishes and, and healed the lepers and healed the cripples and, and opened the blinded eyes sister Janet all of that would have been meaningless. All of that would have been unimportant if it had not been for what he really came for. And it was the passion of the cross. Hallelujah. That's what he really came for. Never at any point period of his ministry did the Son of God truly fulfill the mission on which he came to this earth. Hallelujah. But, but by when him hanging on that cross, destroying him sin by the sacrifice of himself. I know this is supposed to be Sunday school and I'm not treating it like Sunday school right now. I'm treating it with what I'm feeling in my spirit. I want that passion to be inside of me, being transparent today. I don't think that I, as your pastor, have enough of that passion in me today. And I'm praying, God, let me have that passion. I'm praying, God, let our church have that passion because I know when we get that, this church is going to explode. It's going to explode, praise God, in the greatest revival that we've ever seen and all that stuff that he'd done would have been meaningless it would have been vain if he had not I'm talking about the cross the death if he hadn't raised from the dead we would be yet still in our sins without no hope beyond the grave 
You've heard me said enough. The gospel is not that Jesus died on the cross. The gospel is the fact that he did die on the cross and he was buried. Hallelujah. And that he rose again. Thanks, I'm thankful today. The passion of the cross did not end at that grave. I'm thankful that it did not end at that grave. Listen to those words in Matthew 28, the last chapter of the of, 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 of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, 1 through 6. It said, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And beyond there was a great earthquake and for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came down and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Can you imagine what it was like praise God when the angel came down as much as they tried to secure that he said I'm alright guys you gotta get out of the way cause this is what he was born for. He wasn't just born to die on that cross but he was born to come out of that grave and his countenance was like lightning. His raiment as snow and for fear of him the keepers did shake and became his dead man. When they seen that angel, Sister Janet, they all couldn't handle it. They all fell down, knocked out, praise the Lord, because Jesus was coming out of that grave. That's what it came for, was to come out of that grave. And the angel answered and said to the woman, I fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified, but he is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. His passion was, no matter what, I must suffer I must make sure the lost have a way to be saved and he come to this earth not to not to raise the dead not to uh, not to uh, uh, heal the crippled or the leopard or open the blinded eyes but he came that we may be saved hallelujah he came that we may have sin can be under our feet praise God he came to die he came that the man Christ Jesus would die. There is a love in this earth that we all will experience that will bring us love, joy, and happiness. See Sister Stephanie back there making goo-goo eyes at my little baby grandbaby back there with that outfit that she bought him. He looks sharp this morning. Thank you, Sister Stephanie. He looks good in that. This earthly love that brings us joy, brings us happiness. We walked in, Sister, Sister Linda's up here sitting, hold him. I said, What you got there? He's the handsome little fella. Yes, he is. That is an earthly love. It's part of us. That's that flesh that looks at that thing that, that, brings a feeling up on the inside of us. No doubt, Brother Eddie, you're thinking, my goodness, I hope I can get in there and just touch her again today. It's that earthly love. Not this bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good. That's the part of our fleshly life that desires to have uh, uh, the attraction to somebody and have, have communion and fellowship with somebody. But God's, God's love 
went beyond that. The love that I'm talking about after his passion, his passion went beyond that. It went to the place that, hey, I know they're going to crucify me. I know they're going to kill me on the cross, but I was born for this. I was born to love them even when they don't love me. I was born to forgive them when they don't even know what they're doing. Hallelujah. His passion displays a love that goes beyond the earthly love of goo-goo eyes at a beautiful little baby or that beautiful spouse, hallelujah, on the other side of the dinner table, hallelujah, that you're eating with, or, or, or them kids that you love so much, or that, that friend that's so dear to you. It's a love that will, uh, it's a love that'll turn your world upside down when you look at somebody and say, I know you're not doing me right, but I'm going to love you anyway. Hallelujah. It's a love that goes beyond feeling. It's a love that goes to choice. I choose to love you. I choose, hallelujah to love you. It's a love that will turn a city upside down with a revival fire like we've never seen before. And I'm calling on this church to seek after the passion of Christ. I'm calling on this church, hallelujah. I cannot be lost in my own selfish passion and desires. And I believe today that I'm looking at a group of people, praise God, that really will live after the passion of Christ. I believe you're not, there's nothing inside of you that really hates people, but you love people. You love God. And the devil's just trying to get in the way. And the devil's trying to destroy us. I'm looking at some people, praise God, that are going to be baptized with a passion for the lost like Jesus had. Hallelujah. We need to get a passion in us that will drive us not to rest until the house of God is full. We need the same passion that drove Jesus to that cross. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. You know why it drove him to the cross? It wasn't for the suffering that he was going to have to go through. It wasn't for that. It was for the resurrection that he was going to experience. Because of that resurrection, it gives us hope. It gives us life. His passion... He's got to get in us. I'm just a few more minutes. I'll be done. If we can get his passion in us, it's what separates the men and women of God from those who are just content, just content to survive. For too long, we've had too many people that just come to church just to survive. Too long we've had too many people that's come to church just to, just for another peel. I'm thankful that God can be a can be a fix for us. I'm thankful that God can fix our anxieties. He can fix our infirmities. He can fix our sicknesses because He showed that when He walked on this earth, He showed us that He could uh, uh, heal, open the blinded eyes, and He can raise the dead. He showed us that He is that kind of God. But what He really came to show us was His passion. Hallelujah! I didn't come just to heal your eyes. I didn't come just to put your marriage back together but I came to save you from your sins hallelujah and we can get that same kind of love oh, we, we, it may take it may take telling somebody oh your marriage is about to fall apart then you need to come to my church because our church is good hallelujah and bringing people back together and putting families together you got cancer come to our church we, we got a church that can pray and we can pray that cancer heal but let me tell you what if they come and their marriage don't get back together and their cancer don't get fixed we need to look beyond that and realize there's something on the inside of that person that needs to be saved hallelujah and let them they need to realize hey even if you don't get it put back together you can make heaven your home you can have your sins praise God forgiven 
His passion is what separates those who just want to play church and from those who have a real, real prayer. Hallelujah. It separates those from the prayers from the players. It separates the intercessor prayer warriors from the ones who interferes and causes wars. It separates the contenders from those who are just pretending. It separates those uh, that, that give compliments to people to those who complain about everything. It separates those who live after his passion. will separate those who support, hallelujah, the church of God from those who just want to report about what's going on. Amen. Harvest House, I come to tell us today what's missing in these last days. And not just our church. But in this world is his passion. Passion is what our church is missing. Not just any passion, but his passion. We need to learn to live after his passion. But Lord, that sounds good. Be excited and passionate about the kingdom of God. So why is the house not full? Why why is not everybody want to share Jesus' passion? We all want to share in the resurrection. But we don't want to share on the cross. That is the crossing point. Passion, as I, I said at the beginning today, is only found one time in the King James Version, Acts 1 and 3. After his passion. To him also he showed himself alive after his passion. The meaning of the word passion sums up Jesus' passion here. Passion in this verse does not mean what you might think it would mean. Passion in this verse means suffering. Referring to the suffering of our Lord. When we say someone is passionate about something, what we're really saying is that no matter what they have to endure, they will be with that thing that they love. When somebody is really passionate, whether it be for a drug or for a girl or a guy, as I said earlier, it'll cause a teenager. When a teenager gets passionately in love with somebody, it'll cause them to crawl out a window in the middle of the night and go meet that whoever. It'll, it'll cause some, when somebody's passionate about a drug that they're addicted to, it will cause them to neglect their own family as long as they get that, that drug inside of their life. It will cause them to endure uh, ridicule and shame from other people because they see somebody going after that thing that they're passionate about. See, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't associate passion with that type of, uh, of love, but that's what passion really means. Passion means that you're willing to suffer for whatever you really, really love. Is that us today when it comes to things of God? The reason not everybody lives after his passion because his, fa his passion caused his flesh to suffer. If you look at other translations, and it says after his passion, is, there's just a few of the translations that actually says passion. Most of the rest of them says after he suffered. Why the King James Version decided to put passion in there, I don't really know. Maybe it's just the way they translated it, but the real thing is, is we don't like our flesh to suffer. But when our flesh suffers, sin is brought into subjection. And that's why Jesus went to that cross. 
He knew the only way to get flesh under control, the flesh that had been running rampant since the Garden of Eden for, for about 4,000 years. He knew it was only one way to do that. That's why he tried uh, uh, to... Through, through uh, uh, out them 4,000 years that's why he had sacrifices the sacrifice of another flesh would take the place uh, and, and make an atonement for sins and finally it come to a place where uh, the bull the blood the Bible said the bloods of bulls and goats wasn't being good enough anymore so he needed something else and he looked across uh, humanity and he realized none of us was good enough none of us was able to go to that cross and, and that none of our flesh was good enough uh, they couldn't handle what really needed to happen because none of us could would have the power to be raised up because that dying of that flesh uh, was the atonement for sin but it was never given power to, to uh, keep the sin away and that's why he decided I'll just fashion my own body and I'll step out of heaven into that body. I will live and dwell in that flesh. I will become an ultimate sacrifice. I will show them how to have real passion and how to really have real love. What real love is all about when you're willing to suffer in this flesh no matter what you may have even if some of you have done it you've had, you've dealt with family that's ridiculed you no doubt maybe even a day being here today so you're going back to that place again you just love you love church more than me you love the, I know some of you have went through that and I'm sorry that you've had to do that but let me tell you what your suffering is not in vain because there's a love hallelujah that goes beyond what they may be thinking oh, come on it goes beyond that and there's a God hallelujah that loves you and he sees that and there's going to be a resurrection in your life it may not be in this world and that's why so many people that they don't want to uh, go after his passion because uh, our passions are weird. we want it now we are a right now generation we are a microwave generation give it to me now First Peter 4 and 1 says it this way though for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh arm yourself likewise with the same mind for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You know what he was saying right here? He said, look, Jesus, he suffered in the flesh, but it made a way for that sin to be put under. When we realize that, hey, no matter what I may be suffering, every time that family member may, member may be, be saying, oh, uh, you're going to church again, or you love that whatever, or every time that, that uh, you're, you're, you have to cause your flesh to uh, push back from something that our flesh likes, you know, whether it be eating too much or some kind of addiction in your life or, or that relationship that you don't need to be in every time you push that off in your life that flesh is being put under control hallelujah and you know what's doing is causing that sin to go out of the way a man by the name of David Watson said this one I'm almost done it is it is sometimes only through suffering that we begin to have to listen to God our natural pride self-confidence have been have to be stripped away painfully and we become aware perhaps for the first time of our own personal needs. First Peter 5, 8 through 10 says it this way. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Peter goes on to say, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But listen to verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us, and to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while. Make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. This is not a bed of roses. Jesus suffered. His flesh suffered. And 
our flesh is going to suffer. He showed us, he said, after his passion, his passion, what does it taste? His, his passion was the fact that his flesh suffered for the resurrection. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 said, Wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. What's he talking about right here? He's talking about those fleshly things that lay on us and become so heavy. He said, you've got to lay that stuff to the side because there's a race that we need to run. And, and then he gives, us, he gives us inspiration of how to run that race. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What he was this saying? He suffered the cross because he seen the joy that was on the other side of the cross. Despising the shame and set down the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. When we live after his passion. We are living a life with the end in mind. Every one of you ladies that, that had babies. I heard Bethany say it many times since she was a little younger. So I'm not sure I want to have kids. Because the pain that she knew she was going to have to suffer. And you, you, some of you ladies that, you, I know you went through some things and you suffered some things in your life. But when you get that baby in your arms. And today it's the same way. As a child of God, his passion represents our flesh is going to suffer. And if we live after his, his passion, we realize there's going to be times that we're just going to suffer. Now, here's, here's the deal, okay? Whether you're a child of God or not, your flesh is going to suffer. All right? It's going to suffer. You're going to have, you're going to have flat tires. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. Me and Sister Cheryl come down here Friday, and was, we are uh, just looking through the church. We're making a list of things that we're going to try to make sure we try to get done by, by Easter and, and by uh, anniversary services in, in April. And we're just making a list of some things that we can do. And so we was needing to go into one of the stores down there. And, and, and something happened that per- kept us from going in there. And, and uh, it was just one of those life things. I, and uh, Cheryl was talking about today. Well, we was going to go in that store, but then the devil stopped it. I said, did the devil stop it? Or is it just life? Sometimes we give the devil way too much credit. Sometimes it's just life. Jesus said, in this life you will have tribulation. He said, but I have overcome this world. What was he saying? Yeah, you're going to suffer in this life. But my passion, I overcame it. And I'm giving you the same power to where you can overcome it too. And when we live after his passion, we understand this flesh will suffer. But our spiritual life will multiply. Our church will multiply. The gospel will multiply in our city. It was after his passion that the birth of the New Testament church was born and revival broke out. And I'm calling on us to live after the passion of Christ. I'm calling on us to live with the end in view. Okay? Don't look at what you're going to suffer. Look at what it's going to bring. Live with the fact that there are lost souls that needs us to love them like Jesus loved them. He gave his all for us. And if we are to be more like him, we're going to have to learn how to live after his passion.
Amen. I'm done today. If you'd like to come pray, you're welcome. Come pray. After his passion. Jesus, help us. Help us today in your precious, mighty name, God. Your word.